going. Okay, ladies. Just for starters. Um, somebody left a sweater here last week. I kept it for you all week. It was in there, in that like third row there, where uh, Elena is sitting, around there. Very nice black sweater with a hood. So I bid twenty five dollars. <laughs> <laughs> it's a large. I don't know what to do with it. It's a really nice sweater. Somebody could take a Somebody could play hooky tonight. Yeah, we put it on the. I put it on the. The email thing. Did you all get an email from me this week? Yes. No. No? No? I did. I also heard some people didn't get that email. Okay. All right. I'll take a picture of it. I'll put it on the ladies' uh, schmooze. What's up? Okay. Okay. So, um, these are the dates. I'm going to erase them because I'm going to need the board. But these are the dates for the next three sessions. And the truth is, like, we've had three sessions. I mean, this is our third, and, and we have so much to cover. Like, there is so much to talk about and so much to cover. So, we're going to really try to move it tonight. But I also. I'm going to refer back to what we did last time. Obviously, we have to review that. And the recording didn't come out. So a lot of people didn't really hear what we did last time. And it's, I'm just going to try to thread it through so that you can hear it this time. Um, if you remember, so we were going to have cards for you, the, the Bitochum cards for you tonight. And we have the cards, but the rings that were supposed to come didn't come in time. So we'll give them out to you next week. OK? You to share. All right, so I'm going to need, please, make sure your brains are awake, your hearts are awake, because we're going to talk, you know, important things. Okay, are you awake? Okay. So the first thing I, I want to do is just say that um, um, many of you know, some of you don't know, I think probably most of you know, that one of our LC members, one of our Living Carbonated members, um, lost her daughter this week in Israel, Robin Lubin, um, her sweet, beautiful daughter. Rose was killed this week as she was guarding uh, out around, around the Damascus Gate, right outside of the old city, and uh, she was stabbed. And, um, you know, anyway, so I was in touch with Robin, and she sent, she sent a, a text to a few different people, the same text, because I guess it was her way of expressing it. And she wrote, it's worth hearing what she wrote, because she's an amazing person. May Hashem bring peace to Israel, and all of us have his Torah written upon our hearts soon. We are going to Israel tomorrow for her funeral and Shiva. Our soldiers, family, and Klal Yisrael is in our prayers and hearts. May we have strength and comfort in each other, and may God welcome Rose with open arms. Which, of course, he did. As I, as I texted her back, Rose died al-Kiddush Hashem. She is in the highest possible place. 
And um, so tonight our learning is Le'iloi Nishmasa. And um, did it, somebody sponsor it for tonight? No. Yeah, so we had we sent out to see if anybody wanted to sponsor this for tonight. Are you sure this one's working tonight? Because it didn't last time. How do I check? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So I'm not giving out so fast. Okay, yeah, let's go. Okay, great. Okay. Um, okay, now. In our first living coordinated session this during this series, we've talked about where Akodesh Baruch Hu says, Avakesh Adam go there get there. Avakesh ish go there get there. I'm asking, he says, I'm making a bakash, I'm requesting a person that will make a fence, but only that parrots the fanai, and that will stand in the breach in front of me. We spend some time talking about what that breach is. What do we mean who will stand in the breach? Anybody remember some of the answers of what that breach was? What does Hashem mean when he says, I want somebody to make a fence around me and stand in the breach? <coughs> Anybody remember any of the suggestions that people made when we said, what is the breach? What? The thing, okay, the things that hold us back, that's, you know, on an individual level. And on a communal level, there's all kinds of breaches that, that uh, you know, with Hashem's Torah protected, is Klai Yisrael, the way that is the Kedusha of Klai Yisrael protected. I want to share with you something that I really, I hesitated and thought a lot about whether to share it with you, and I want to because it so gives us a picture of what the breach really is and what is incumbent upon us because of this breach, and then to move on to how we can be the ones that stand in the breach. I mean, Rosie, her name is Rosa Lesheva Baschayim David, she stood in the breach, she protected Yerushalayim, she protected Jews, she was standing in the breach in a physical way. She happened to also stand in the breach in a spiritual way. She's a lovely, devoted Jewish person who tried to save a lot of people on October 7th and really a special, special person. But I want to share with you something that describes the breach. I hope you won't be offended. I don't want you to be offended. I hope you'll hear it the way that I mean it. Um, I've been struggling with myself in terms of uh, listening, you know, on the computer and getting some Fox News, some CNN News. I don't really listen much to those news things. <coughs> um, I know that it derails me and I shouldn't be doing it. But at a certain point last week, I, I saw a couple of videos on YouTube. And I'd like to describe something because to me, this is the ultimate breach, which is so tragic. I saw a video of a 13-year-old girl who was in her hospital bed, and she was describing to the interviewer what had happened to her. Um, she was in, I think, the Eri, um, Kibbutz Eri, where so many people were killed in Allah. And that morning, very early in the morning, they heard the terrorists outside and the guns and everything, and they went into their safe room. Her brother, her father, and her brother, seems her brother was about 19 or 20, something like that, his name was Carmel. And they go into the safe room, and, um, and she describes the events that happened in that safe room. Um, they, they shot through the door, the terrorists shot through the door. They threw two, two or three grenades, in through uh, some kind of an opening, a window or something. In the end, her mother got uh, 
shot, her mother died in front of her. It took about 15 minutes, and her mother died. Uh, when they shot through the door, and I have to tell you also that after I saw hers, I happened to see a video of her father, who was there with her the whole time. And he is telling the story in much more detail. He was describing that that safe room was her baking room. She loves to bake. It's like this 13-year-old girl. It's her, her favorite thing to love is baking. So in their safe room, they had some shelves with all of her baking paraphernalia. And, um, and there was a, like a little day sofa or something, a little day bed in there also, which is important. And he goes through the whole thing from his perspective. First I heard it from her perspective and his perspective. So what happens is they're in the safe room, the family's in the safe room, and the terrorists are shooting through the door, and Carmel's hand gets shot off. Of course, when it gets shot off, it's blood all over. So they try taking the film. I'm not trying to be graphic. I have a reason for what I'm saying, and you'll hear what that reason is. So they try to take his belt and put his, I guess his arm was jerking as though it was very, very difficult. They tried to make a tourniquet. They weren't able to do it. Meanwhile, the terrorists throw three grenades into the room. They landed in the bed. So although they exploded, the father got shrapnel and stuff in his legs. I think he was shot in his leg and she got, she got shrapnel and he, he couldn't stand up anymore. He could barely stand. And then Carmel was, you know, losing blood. And then they started a fire in the room right inside the safe room so that they could either chase them out so they could kill them or just burn them to death. Um, I'm not gonna give you the details of it because it was really crazy, really, really crazy. So she's 13 years old and, um, and her mother dies and she's manning the phone, this 13 year old girl, trying to call the IDF and calling the, the kibbutz policeman. Of course, nobody was in, in, in touch with other people in the kibbutz. And then the, um, the smoke from the right outside the room starts coming in and they're getting, I can't even breathe, but there was a, a, a rifle or a grenade hole in the room that let in some air from outside. So although they covered themselves with, with cloths, honestly, I'll just tell you this part, they used her baking bowls as a toilet because they were in there for hours, it was hours and hours. When the smoke came in, they keep their clothing in there to cover their mouths so they could breathe. This, this is what's going on. Carmel is leaning his head against the day sofa. I'm getting weaker and weaker. He's bleeding out. And, um, and this little girl is trying to manage everybody. And finally, he says, Papa. He's not, he's, he's, she said he's gurgling. He's gurgling. And now the father tells this, but the father's in his, in his hospital bed. He says, Drag myself over to him. I wanted to hear what he was going to say. It's his last words. Abba, very nice surfboard. My Bury my surfboard with me. I hear this, and I'm telling you, I had more pain from that one statement than from all of the horrors that have happened. A beautiful Yiddish king who's dying of Kiddush Hashem. He's dying of Kiddush Hashem. A horrible death. Smoke, pain, his hand is off, he's bleeding out. His last words to his father, bury my surfboard with me. And the father in 
hospital bed says, my son was the, his whole life was surfboarding. He was such a good kid and so friendly and he was such a great, he was so good at it, he was so great. And he said, and, and I have him here in the hospital with me. I guess he made people go back to the kibbutz to get the surfboard. I have it with me and I'm going to fulfill his last request. Do you realize they didn't know Shema Yisrael? They're dying, they're being burned to death, they're watching each other die, there's blood all over the place, and they don't know Shema Yisrael. Is that a breach? That's my phone. That's the breach we're talking about. That's the breach that we're talking about. Those are his last words. He's dying as a Jew. He's in the highest place. Dying up in Shoshana. Who knows the journey from Shoshana took? I don't know. But to think of this, he doesn't know the Shema Yisrael. Those are his last words, and his father's proud, and he's going to bury him with his surfboard. So I please don't think that I'm saying this as something against him as something against any Jew. They didn't know any better. You know how many Jews in Israel don't know how to say Shema Yisrael? They don't know in Eretz Yisrael. That's the breach that we have to stand in. We must heal this breach. It's not a joke. This is our turn. We are facing, you know what we're facing all over the place, right? They want to kill us. They're saying it openly now. They're not hiding it anymore. They want to kill us. But at least if we're going to die, let's die as Jews. Let's make our lives meaningful and let's heal the world. Let's heal Klal Yisrael. Let's heal Eretz Yisrael. Let's Stand in the breach around Kaddish Baruch Hu. That's what we're here for. And we have all the tools and all the resources we need. And I don't think, I think we have already talked about some strategies for this, and we're going to talk about more. And we can really make things happen if we, if we think, if we work. And I want to take us through that tonight. So, I was afraid that if I if I shared that, it would sound like I'm complaining about Jews or or about Eretz Yisrael or about I'm not. Nebuch, this poor boy, this poor father, what he went through in that safe room, and the way they got out is because some soldiers came and they looked through that aperture, that that rifle hole. And they looked in and they said, oh my gosh, there was a massacre here. Because of course there's blood all over the place and exploded grenades and everything. It's a nace that the two of them lived. It's just a nace. <sighs> anyway. Okay. So I'm just going to quickly draw out what we drew out last time because it is the episode of what we're doing. Um, I, I'm, I ask you for your sake, make a picture of this for yourself. We did it last time. Do this for yourself. Go home and draw this out. Now, I'm going to make one person in the middle, but you might want to make 
a per you here and you here. You do it however you want, in a way that works for you. So I'm just going to redo what we did last week because we're going to have to keep looking at this. Okay? We're going to keep looking at this. So, so let's see. Okay. Here we have a far ninha adama, which means dust from the earth. Dust from the earth. That refers to the physical part of ourselves that we all have. Then we also have here the nishama, if you remember, which is nishmas chayim, a living soul. Okay, we wrote this out last week. Do you remember this? Okay, because we want to, we have to look at this because we're going to see something here. You understand, ladies, that there's a breach in the world where HaKadosh Baruch Hu's Torah and his world and his design has been breached. And then in each of us, there is an individual breach where we need to encircle ourselves with our purpose in this world because there are no weapons and there is no government there is nobody that's going to protect us. We can heal the breach. That's what Jews do in a time like this. We don't know what that will lead to, but Hashem is speaking to us. And so we're going to heal the breach by understanding ourselves and by moving forward, okay? So, we know from our last session that the purpose of human beings in this world, the purpose of a person is that a person should be turning constantly to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. That's the thing, to be connected to Him. You remember that? It's in your pages. And to be Kovesh Es Yitzro, to master His Yitzro. Those are the two things. Okay, so now let's take a look at this over here. A person has choices. Right? A person has choices. You can live searching for Hashem, clinging to Him, turning to Him all the time. And if you do, you will feel loved by Hashem. I'm going to put a salad for Hashem. Okay? You will love others because you feel that love. You'll be outwardly focused. Right? you will have constantly a sense of serenity because when you're enveloped in a Kodesh Baruch Hu's hands, there's no place for any kind of worry. You live in complete serenity and trust. This is the ideal that we're talking about. This is where everyone wants to get to. And if you recall, we showed you on the, on the screen the whole thing of like the DNA code, you know, of spiritual and material, and how they are inextricably intertwined. So we need to know this for tonight because we have to deal with all of this. We're gonna to have to deal with this. This is real. So, that's when you're close to Hashem. When you have distance from Hashem, this is what happens. You don't feel or believe in Hashem's love. You don't even know what it feels like. Don't feel Hashem's love. You don't even believe that he loves you. Now, most of us are somewhere in between, right? And we hop on two feet. We hop to here, we hop to here. We hop to here, we hop to here, right? You can relate to that. Um, we find it harder to love others because when you don't feel love, 
you don't have feelings of love for other people. We live in fear, anxiety, and comparisons. Can add anything, jealousy, um, irritation, whatever. You live in that because you're not so close to Hashem. And we stop, we, the, the voice of this Neshama over here becomes faint. Voice of Neshama becomes faint. Over here, when we are close to Hashem and we're hearing the voice of the Neshama, we allow that voice to direct us. And we talked about the fact that the language of the Neshama is only love. The Neshama knows no other language than love. So one of the ways that we can connect with our own Neshama is by pulling feelings of love into our mind, speaking, speaking love. We speak with love. When you speak with love, you're affecting your insides to it, even if you don't feel that way. You speak with love. That's why we don't want to speak Russian horror. We don't want to say negative things. You work on that enough after a while. If you say something negative or you hear something negative and it really bothers you, become, you become more and more sensitive to it. So these are the things that we have to deal with. This is what a Kodesh Baruch Hu wants from us. Now, this is the breach. The breach is in here. In other words, if we're living the way Hashem designed us, we've got a beautiful life in a beautiful world. As a matter of fact, we're living according to the blueprints, so we're balanced, we're happy, we're giving, we're relaxed, we're energetic. And this is the ideal. None of us, most, very rarely do people actually live in this place because we have got this thing going on here. We've got the Yetzir Hara, we've got the Yetzir Hato, we've got our physical body, we've got our spiritual soul. And they are always, always, always pulling at us in every way. And that's where the breach comes in. That's where the breach is. So now we're in a place where there is a terrible, terrible Chil Hashem in this world. That God's people in God's land are unprotected, violated, butchered, and the entire world is against us. Because we were original. So we have to somehow find a way to pull this together. We want to move ourselves more and more in this direction. And there's no reason that we can't do that. So we're going to talk about this tonight. One thing we have to remember, and this is why we worked on fear so much. We talked about it last time. The more fear we have, the more distant we are from a Kodesh Baruch Hu. And you could say, the more distant we are from a Kodesh Baruch Hu, the more fear we have, right? If you find yourself, as many of us now are afraid, uh, you know, I, different people are in touch with the news or articles or different things to a different degree. You read about what kids have been going through on campuses and what professors have been going through on campuses and you just in touch with all of that, you realize things are really bad. And you can be very afraid. You can be afraid to walk out of your house. You can be afraid to go shopping. You can be afraid somebody I was talking about to go to the airport. She said, I'm afraid to go to the airport. Which I think, from my perspective, is a little overdone, but who knows, right? But when we fall into that fear, we are distancing ourselves from Hashem because 
It says, I'm not trusting him to take care of me. I'm not trusting him that everything is exactly as it should be. It doesn't mean that everything will be okay. It doesn't mean, well, I'll be okay. It may not be okay. You know, I said to my husband the other night, what do you think is going to happen? Is, there gonna, is Hashem going to save us? Or is there going to be an explosion? And he said, well, we didn't really calm you down. <laughs> okay, so we know, we have discussed the fact that fear is something that keeps us distant from Hashem. Now we have to know also, take a look at what's happened, okay? I, I view it like this. This is how I'm experiencing it. I used to be able to walk on the ground, and I knew that the ground would hold me up. Because we're in a good country. We're in America. It's a good country, and they've been good to us, and they would never allow bad things to happen here. There's no discrimination here, you know. If, but whatever, even if, they're, even if people aren't perfect, we're pretty safe here. We have a good life here. We live in a beautiful neighborhood. Rockersham is not tremendous crime. It's, you know, we're, we're really cool. We're okay. And, you know, I've been to Eretz Yisrael, visit the grandchildren, go on a conference, take a group. It's always so wonderful and lovely. And of course, you always have to have a soldier with you in the van or whatever, the buff. But, but you know, you have the soldier, so you're okay. And I guess subconsciously, I actually thought that the IDF is doing such a good job protecting us. I, I didn't think much about the fact that the entire world hates Israel. I felt pretty secure. And as you all feel, I'm sure, in the last few weeks, we've had the rug pulled out from under us. And I feel like I'm putting my foot down and there's nothing there. Everything that I thought was okay, which means I wasn't depending on a show, I was depending on the United States and I was depending on the idea without even realizing, of course I trust Hashem. No, Hashem's taking care of everything. Yeah, 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 those are good words to say. And now, I have to repeat to myself over and over and over again certain psuki because I'm scared. It's not a matter of scared. I don't know what's going to happen. What's going to happen when the entire world, tens thousands, in all the major cities of the world and small cities too, are protesting violently against the Jews? So my, the earth, as far as I'm concerned, has disappeared, and I'm walking on air. That's what I feel like I'm doing, walking on air. I don't know what will take. So that's where we are. Okay. <sighs> Hashem is challenging us to live in a higher place. That's what he's doing. He's challenging us to change our perspective. We have a very limited perspective, and he's asking us to move up and to see things with a clearer eye. That we are forced now, we are challenged. We have nothing else to rely on. There is nothing to rely on. You can't rely on the police. I heard a thing about, I listen too much, okay? <laughs> I try not to. In Britain, these tens of thousands of people were protesting in Trafalgar Square, all their beautiful Piccadilly, these gorgeous places, and Palestinian flags and they're violent and they're screaming, you know, from the river to the sea. In other words, ex exterminate all the Jews and the whole thing. And the police, the chief of police there is an Arab who went and, and protested with them. And so some British citizens came with, with British flags, with UK flags that they're going to hold up. And the policeman said to them, no, 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 you can't walk around with those flags. And they said, why not? And they said to them, I heard this. They even had the quote, they had the, they played the thing. Um, 
because you're gonna you're gonna upset them. You're gonna create more. They're gonna be upset. So a guy says, in with his British accent, he said, "What? What about British citizen? Why can't I carry my flag?" And he says, "Listen, there are more of them than there are of us." So this is this did the whole world shift. This is Yishmael. Why is Yishmael called Yishmael? Because Akadosh Baruch Hu, you know, Akadosh Baruch Hu named him. You know that. He said that his name will be called Yishmael. And Avram Avinu begged him, "Will Yishmael yichyel upanecha? Please, Hashem, let my son Yishmael live." And Hashem says, "Sure, beherdesio. So I'm going to make him into a great nation. He's going to be there's so many of them." And it's going to be such a great nation. Now, that was really not a happy moment for us, but that's what Hashem said. Why Yishmael? Because Hashem knew that at one point, Yishmael is going to force the Jewish people so that Hashem, Yishma Hashem, Yishma Kel, Hashem will hear us godly because of what they're doing to us. So this is what's happening now, right? So we want to now focus on what we can do. You know, be positive. And um, I'm going to move forward. So I want to explain something to you that I actually talked about. I introduced a thought at the Chalabay, but I didn't go into the whole thing. So I want to go into the whole thing now with you. I'm going to explain something to you. And this is going to give us a very clear strategy. Besides speaking love, besides building our big talk by studying the cards and by, and by, you know, just working on our fear, which we started last time, we're going to continue. Now here's a third strategy that we can do. I'm going to give you out the page. Now actually you have this page, but don't look at it yet because I don't want you to do it. I don't want you to look at it yet. Okay, here's an interesting thing. In Parsha Shlach, we learned the mitzvah of challah, taking challah, separating challah, <laughs> making a bracha, giving it to the Kohen. Right, nowadays we don't give it to a Kohen, we burn it, fine. But that's where we learn the mitzvah. Very interesting, Spas Hemes. He says the following. There's a medrash, and the medrash says, on this piece, Lech Echol Vesimcha Lachmecha. Hashem says to Klai Yisrael, go eat your bread with Simcha. I'm going to give you a page that has this and the translation, okay? So just, I want you to listen now and hear this, because this is very crucial for what we want to understand, okay? Ushisei Belave Tov Yeinecha. Okay, Hashem tells the Jewish people, when he gives us the mitzvah of challah, go eat your food with happiness and drink your wine with a glad and heart, tikfar, ratza Hashem, es masacha. Because Hashem already is happy, He's already approving your deeds. So let's understand this here. Let's let's understand what's happening here. The Sasana says, here's a metrish that comes and says, on this thing about taking challah, Go eat your bread with happiness and drink your wine with a gladdened heart because Hashem has already approved your deeds. He says, what on earth is this talking about? What does this mean? Why is this medrash here on the mitzvah of challah? So listen to what Sas Emes says. 
HaKadosh Baruch Hu created a human being, a farm in HaAdamah, dust of the earth, and Nishmas Chaim, and, and a, a divine soul. When he first created that, they were supposed to work completely in tandem. I'm adding words to what this Hashem says. I'm just explaining it. We were supposed to be this harmonious blend of body and soul. Everything worked together, and the body worked to fulfill. It was just the thing that fulfilled the desires of the soul to be close to Hashem and to do mitzvahs, right? What happened? Listen to this. Adam eats from the eight hadas, right? And what is his punishment? This is interesting. Here's the punishment to Adam for eating from the eight hadas. Arura ha'adama ba'avurecha eats a bone I'm going to make sure I have that, that line straight. Yeah. Kol yimei chayecha. Listen carefully. Hashem curses the earth. And he says to Adam, because you ate from the Eitz the earth is cursed because of you with suffering with sadness and suffering, you will eat all the days of your life. Which means that Adam is now going to have to work hard for a living. When he was in Ganeiden, everything was prepared for him, easy. Now you're going to have to struggle to make a living. In suffering, you're going to eat. So what did Adam do that the earth had to be cursed because he did it? Remember, HaKadosh Baruch gave a Farnam Adamah, Mishmas Chayim, to work together in harmony, in tandem, totally to serve Hashem. When Adam ate from the Eitz Hadas, he pulled the physical out of that, that intertwined piece that was us, and he gave it its own importance and its own existence. Now, the material world has much more influence on us. So the material world, Adama, is now broken apart because of Adam. The plan of the world has now been pulled apart. The land is cursed. You broke it. You gave it its own importance. You actually think that the material world has some purpose and existence and pleasure or whatever it is separate from the divine soul. So of course that brings a curse on the land. And so this will not bring you any pleasure because when the material is separated from the, from the spiritual, there's no real pleasure in it. There's no happiness. It's sad, it's suffering. You get into the jealousies, you get into the comparisons. Her house, my house, her husband, my husband, her income, my income, her job, my job, whatever it is. Because now you made the material have its own existence. That makes sense that that's the, re the response of Hashem, doesn't it? Because so I hear this. Adam did this. Now what happened? HaKadosh Baruch Hu needs a cloudy Yisrael that will heal the breach that Adam created. Pulling apart the physical and the, and the divine 
Now we have to pull it back together. Kalal Yisrael, who was called Reishis, the world was made for us, now this is going to be our job. We're going to be misaking. We're going to fix up that breach. We're going to bring the physical and the material back and, and, the, and the divine back together. When did we first do this? When did it happen? When we were in the desert. We were in the desert and we accepted the Torah. The Torah is the only way to bring the physical and the spiritual together. When we accepted the Torah, he says, Mashchu, we pulled down Shemayim to the Aretz. Now, this mitzvah of Chala is set to us, Kisavot HaHaretz, Mukam Eretz Yisrael. Chalal Yisrael is the chosen people. Eretz Yisrael is the chosen land. We already pulled Shemayim down to Aretz. Now our job is going to be to bring the Aretz to Shemayim in Eretz Yisrael by keeping these mitzvahs that combine the physical and the spiritual, such as chala, taking chala, such as pouring the wine libations onto the karbanos and the menachos, right? When we do that, we are now pulling from the earth to the heaven. So we pull the heavens down to the earth. Now we're going to pull the earth up to the heavens, and we're back where we were in the beginning. Therefore, lech echol b'simcha lachmecha. What is simcha? What is the ultimate of simcha? Says the Sfas Emes. When you bring and you elevate something back to its source, that's when you can actually have simcha because you combine the two elements back together. That's the job of our Yisrael. I remember on the first night when we were in Heritage Hall, Robin Rubin was sitting there, and she raised her hand. I don't know what the question was. She said the following, and I was so struck by it, which is why I remember it. This is not a woman that's learning Chalas HaVadus every day. You know, she's an extremely spiritual woman. She doesn't have the gift of learning Chumash, learning Sfasimus, learning Chalas HaVadus. She doesn't have that gift. She said the following. Whenever you do something, if you realize that you're doing it as a way to serve God or connect with him, you give meaning to it. I was astounded. I was astounded that she said that. She said what the Svasemis is saying, only she said it in her words. <coughs> Which just proves to you that a person with a Yiddish neshama is thirsty and clings to every truth they possibly can ever given the chance. So that tells me that we know what the breach is. We know what the problem is. Let's correct it. It's not even so hard. By the way, this struck me. Eretz Yisrael is the place where we bring the earth to the heavens. That's what we're supposed to be doing here. Is that what we've been doing here? that we're in to bring the earth up to the heaven is it in a surfboard and somehow we have done this to our own people I'm not casting blame but how is it that a Jewish 40 year old father and a 19 year old boy 
seven or something on our pages. There was one thing. Here it is. List ten mundane actions I do on a regular basis that, with intention, are actually mitzvahs. We are all doing mitzvahs all the time. You do laundry, you're doing chesed. You're taking care of things. You're building the world. You make a meal for yourself, for somebody else. You're doing something positive. You pick up somebody who needs a dime. You, you, you share a meal with someone who needs something. We're all doing chesed all the time. And I'm talking about not even chesed, just mundane actions. You take a shower. You're honoring your body. Why can't we use those moments when we do mundane actions to create this? To heal that breach that was created and to create simcha. Because when we do things with the intention to serve Hashem, we enjoy it more. I have to wash the dishes. I have to clean the floor. I have to clean the bathrooms. Do it as an act of service to Hashem. And all of a sudden, wow, my life has meaning. We want to make our intention and our awareness focus on a Kodesh Baruch That's what we're here for. But if you remember, we talked about fear and how fear gets in the way of all of these things. Remember we talked about that? The voices, the limiting beliefs, right? And you were going to do some homework about that with your Chabura. And then I actually, I put out in the email an idea for people to do, which can be extremely, extremely effective. I don't know how many of you got that email. Can you raise your hand if you got an email for me? Okay, so not everybody did. So in the email, I made the following suggestion. I suggested that during the day, one day, if you're feeling low, maybe you're feeling angry, maybe you're feeling depressed, maybe you're feeling anxious, whatever it is you're feeling, take three seconds and get your little black hidden carbonated book or just take a piece of scrap paper and write down what is the fear behind my feelings now because it's always fear. 
that is always there. Now suppose you do this, and you start to expose to yourself and distinguish for yourself, what are the fears that were behind my bad feelings? My anger, my irritation, my sadness, my anxiety, all those different things. You never have a feeling unless there's something behind it. You're usually afraid of something. And if we would try this once in a while, we begin to know ourselves better and find out those voices that are separating us from Kershaw. So now, I'm going to ask the seven volunteers. All you have to be able to do is read. So all you have to do is read. <laughs> Anybody in here know how to read? <laughs> thank you, Faith. Thank you, Dina. Come, come, come. Thank you, thank you, please. Okay. You are going to get these pages. I just want you to listen with all your ears for a minute. Just hold this, please. Hold this, please. Hold this, please. I think I need four more people. I'm sorry. Nava's coming. Good girl, Nava. Isn't she a good girl? Oh, look at this. Wow. I'm so, so excited. Okay. Who else? Whoa. Okay, Sarah. Sarah. You should have two pages. For you. Is this seven ladies? Could you count? Okay, could you line up just at the front of the room, please? Okay, now listen to me very carefully. I, oh, I have to tell you this. Last night I was at a seum because the, they finished, the Dr. Yummy finished um, his eating, so there was a seum in this room. And I'm sitting at a table here, and Yummy Cohen is sitting near me. And we're just schmoozing and talking, and she says how, you know, it's hard for her to to say to him for a long time. After a while, you, you just, it's just hard to do. So she said, it's so much better when a few ladies come and we have a group to say to him, because then you could even go on for an hour. And she says, it's always better to do everything with a group. It just works so much better. And I'm thinking, mm-hmm. <laughs> but anyway, I realized that A, people are afraid of, of a kabula, and B, people don't really know how to manage a kabula. So I decided, that I was going to ask the seven Avios of Cloud Israel, the seven prophetesses. There are seven women prophets of Cloud Israel. And I contacted them. And I asked them if they would be models for how a Chabula would go. And they immediately agreed without a second hesitation. They have no self consciousness because they're not in the material world. And they were so thrilled to be able to help the Nosy Israel to grow and to understand what they need to do. So I'm going to give you each, each of you a name, okay? Each of you is going to be one of the Sheva Nevi'os. And they're going to help us through this series. They're even going to come again. They're going to be amazed at what they'll do. And they're going to try to act like normal people so that we will be able to have them as models of how we can act. So you're going to be Sarah. You're going to be Miriam. You're Devorah. You're Hannah. You're Abigail. Betsy, you're Hulda, and Sarah, you're Esther. Okay, so find your place in here. Just know what you're going to say. And we're going to listen in 
as they have a chabura. This chabura is about the idea that I had put in the email, which some of you saw and some of you didn't. But they're going to explain it again. Just listen to how they talk about this. They're pretty perfect, but you know, you get the idea. Okay, so you all know who you are. Okay. Okay, please talk loud, loudly, and clearly so we can hear who you are. As a matter of fact, say your name first, who you are. Okay. I'm Sarah. Okay. <laughs> Did any of you find time to do the writing idea that was in the email? I'm Miriam. Which idea are you talking about? That when you're feeling low or anxious or angry, you take a few seconds to think and then write down the fear that was behind that feeling. I'm Deborah. I saw that email, but I didn't do anything about it. Maybe I was just afraid. <laughs> it's not really so funny. I guess we're all too scared to find out how fear is running our lives. The idea makes sense. In our LC reference book on page 9, there's a quote from Carl, Carl Jung. Until you, yeah. How do you say it? Young. Young. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Until you make the unconscious conscious, it will direct Wait, 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 wait. Slow down and make sure everyone can hear. Until I never was an intimate to me, please. It's my big chance. <laughs> Until you make the unconscious conscious, it will direct your life, and you will call it faith. Let's just say that again. Until, Until you, you make, make the unconscious, unconscious conscious, it will direct your life, and you will call it fate. So, the more conscious we become about our fears the less power they, they have on us. I'm Avigail. Who needs Carl Jung? What's wrong with Shlomo HaMelech? What about page 20 in the reference book? Um, Mikol Mishomer Notzer Levach Ki Mimenu Totsot Chaim. More than you guard anything, safeguard your heart, your thoughts, because all of the outcomes of life stem from it. Uh, okay, you're right. All truth, all healing is in the Torah. So Shlomo HaMelech agrees with the idea of identifying our fears. Who are you? I'm Chana. I'm Well, I trust Shlomo HaMelech, and I sure don't want fear to run my life. And Esther. So it's worth making ourselves stop, think, and write in the middle of a busy day? I'm Miriam. I know it's a pain in the neck but it helps us become aware of what's really driving us. It's worth it. Otherwise, habit takes over and we stay stuck. Now that's scary. It's very hard to make myself do this. That's what the Chabora is for. We're supposed to encourage each other to do little things that make a big impact that we would never do on our own. If it can be effective, why not try it? It can't hurt. Believe me, it's worth it. I have experience in doing things no one else in the world does, even though it feels pointless and silly. <laughs> you sure do, Grandmother Sarah. <laughs> That's the only reason we're still here today. Okay, ladies, sailing for all on board. Next week, we'll each report that we did this at least twice. Maybe someone will be brave enough to, brave enough to share her fear experience. Yeah, we're supposed to be role models, so we better get to work. Thank you, ladies. Thank you very very much. You may all be, you can keep your pages. We're going to give this out to everybody. Okay. So, why why do this? 
why do this? Because if you have a template for how a kabura can go, it will help you to make your own kabura. You notice, they start out by saying, oh, you get the email. Oh, what was in the email? Oh, I didn't really pay attention to it. Oh, why should we do that? And then you discuss it. And then they brought references from the reference book, from things that they have talked about and learned so that you remind yourself of those things and you have a chance to really think about them. This is what we call a process of zichuch harayom. Let's say I say to you, ladies, I have a suggestion. I think every day or you know, maybe twice a week or something, if you're having a bad feeling, just write it down and then write the fear that's behind it. Okay, that's your homework. What do you realize? Nothing. But if we have a discussion about it, what? I should write down, I can feel it, what, what, the fear? Yeah, write down the fear. Why? How is that going to make a difference? Why should I do that? Your job is to discuss the why. Your job is to discuss, does that make a difference to me? Does, do I resonate with that? Can I understand the purpose of it? Is it a part of my Avodos Hashem? Can you imagine if Cloud Israel is being attacked on all sides, and Sarah Newmark decides, that she's going to write down when she's feeling upset and she's going to write the fear that's behind it so that she can bridge the gap and heal the terrible breach that's been that's been created and bring herself closer to a Kodesh Baruch because she is looking her fear in the face and exposing it to the light of day so that it will lose its power. Now that's an avoda. Yes, it's a pain in the neck. But it's not both to do that. Why are you doing it? Because you want to be. You want to be that integrated being that is the spiritual and the physical working together. And you don't dismiss the material. We are material beings. I was speaking to a student this week, and you know, she's talking about going to seminary, and she says, well, if I go to a seminary that you know, really teaches her and everything, it's, am I like not going to be able to dress nicely? And then she's talking about the war, and she says, yeah, well, I stopped listening to music, and I stopped doing this, and I stopped doing that. And I said, what are you doing? Well, it's not right for me to be doing those things, but so, so choose one tiny little thing that maybe you do a little bit differently or not as much. You're going to cut out music from your life? She thought, music, music done. What are you doing? Well, you know, it's, it's pleasant, and it's the material world. I'm just, no, no, no. This is an integration. The thing that stops us is not the material world, it's the fear. If we can get in touch with that fear, we can master it. Remember the story about the guy who got to choose between the firing squad and the door? And he chose the firing squad because we are scared of what will happen if we get free of our voices and our limiting beliefs. Who will I be? It's scary. So we have to attack the fear. I'm going to answer your questions. And, oh, let me answer your questions now. You, somebody here had it. Yeah, Faith. Could you give an example of what, I'm having a hard time understanding when you say a fear. Like, for instance, if my fear is that there's going to be some sort of riot and they're going to come. No, no, we're talking about, no. Okay, let's, I'm glad you asked that question. Let's do this. You can, you can help me with it. By the way, Last time, we went through five little impact things of fear. Remember? 
can you look at those notes and just share one or two of those impacts of fear? Maybe you don't know what fear we're really, really discussing. So let's, yeah, Kalina. Uh, fear of change. Fear of change. It's not fear of a riot, it's just a little fear of change in my own heart, right? But let's, okay, so let's, let's look at another thing. Okay, here's a woman named, Here's a woman named Leah. Is there any Leah in this room here? No, we're not going to use Leah. Here's a woman named Shipra. There's no Shipra here. Okay, we'll use Leah. Okay. Um, I actually just spoke to a woman from another city today who has a child in preschool who's having some trouble, and she feels like the preschool teacher is not responding right to her little child. So let's 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 work on that. Okay. My I guess three-year-old is not behaving in preschool. It's three years old. Now I'm really upset. Why am I upset? What? It reflects bad on me. Okay, let's look at all the fear behind, I'm depressed today. My three-year-old's not, not, I don't think the teacher's dealing with him right and and you know, I just wish I had somebody who could interfere and tell the teacher what to do, and she won't listen to me. And I know a young kid, and I'll think. It reflects badly on me. I, I look like a bad parent. That's a fear, isn't it? Isn't it? Yes. Yeah. If my three-year-old acts up and starts to not be nice to other friends, and it continues, what's going to happen with that child and their ability to form relationships later? My kid is doomed. <laughs> and of course, this is all because I'm a failure as a mother. Can you just take for a minute, just feel those feelings? My child is not going to be okay. Everybody knows it. I'm a failure as a mother. I, I can't do this. I, I don't know how I'm going to live life because... I don't seem to be able to manage anything. I just don't do anything right in the end. I'm just not as good as that person down the street who has these perfect children who all do everything she says. And my home is not, you know, my home is not clean or organized, and that lady's home is clean and organized, and that lady has perfect children, and that woman has a wonderful marriage, and that woman has a gorgeous house, and I mean, go on and on. It's endless, endless, and I'm stuck in misery. Now tell me. When my kids come home from school, how am I going to greet them? <laughs> when my husband calls me from work and, and asks me something, how am I going to talk to him? The Chesed committee calls and asks me to do something for someone. I don't have time for that. You understand how this leads you? And don't tell me you don't go through this. You go through moments in the day where you feel bad. Find out what you're afraid of. Just write it down. Now, once you write it down, you begin to see patterns of things that you're afraid of. And it's okay. You're human. But as we learn to change those thoughts and master those thoughts and believe in who we really can be, and we're going to be working on a six-step program to grow into who we know we can be. Once you know you're working on this, once you eliminate those voices. Those are evil voices. Those are evil voices that kill us and draw us away from Hashem. We have a choice. What are some things she could be thinking? Let's just take a look at this. 
she think? Well, what's her fear? What's her fear? These are all her fears. That she's from one of them. That's scary enough. We don't need one. No. The driving fear. The driving fear. Like, I'm not going to failure. She's not good enough. She's just not good enough. She's never good enough. She's just a failure. She's a failure spiritually. She's a failure in everything. It's just a failure. 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 It's just a it's just the, the mother feels it's not right. It's not right. Like injustice. One that about the teacher, about the kid. Yeah, well it sounds like the teacher is she feels like the teacher's not treating the child right. I, I my child's not due. I don't think it reflects that on me. I think I'm doing everything right. This yeah. teacher is not right. So Okay. That? Let's see that's your fear. I'm well, a victim of fear. others. I'm a victim of others. Is, is that why are we focusing like what? Of course, that's a fear. I'm raising this child. I'm doing a great job, and he has a lousy teacher. This is terrible. What would it look like if she had no fears for some reason? What would it look like? Just if this. The teacher was mishandling. Okay. Yeah. Good. Teacher mishandles child. <laughs> mishandles child. Let's look at this. That's a very good point. Okay. I tell you, this is a fear. I I submit that this is a fear. Can I describe what fear this is? Do you want to tell me what fear this is? The child will be scarred for life. Right, a That's child. A but but uh, but uh, so I, but I'm right because the teacher's so big. Yes. But I think if you can, what would it look like? Right. So I think it would look like a chef put my child in this classroom for a reason. Chef. I am. I'm this child's parent. We're gonna get through this. Right. Okay, but so let's let's just go here. The reason we're looking at fears is because they distance us from Hashem. Right? I could either be I'm a victim of this person. She's terrible to my child. I can't believe it's happened. And roiling and roiling with all the feelings. Or there is a God that directs every detail of my life and my child's life. And he never leaves me without help. Last time we looked at the thing on the screen. Ozer Yisrael Bigvura. We say it every morning. HaKadosh Baruch Hu girds us with our weapon belt. If I really believe that Hashem has girded me with strength, then I will, gvura means not physical strength, it means overcoming myself. Hashem says he gives me gvura. Let me use that gvura to overcome the bad feelings and turn it in a way that brings me closer to Hashem, that has me daven to him, and I say to myself, Tzadik lives only on his trust in Hashem. Hashem is Hashem loves Derek and wants us to, to connect with him and to trust him and to turn to him. Now I'm doing an avoda 
through this problem that I'm having, I'm doing an avoda, I'm serving Hashem, I'm coming closer to Him, I'm healing myself, I'm healing the breach, and I'm healing all of those who think that surfboards is all that life is about. Because I'm Kalal Yisrael, so let me do this, I'm healing them. And by the way, it's nothing about that boy. He's Kodesh Kadoshim. He gave his life up because he's a Jew. That's the only reason he died. He's in the highest echelons. But Nebuch what a tragedy that he was robbed of his God. What a tragedy. What a tragedy. So there are a lot of hands up, and it's very good to discuss this because you want to get to the core of what your fear is. Erica. So sometimes the fear brings up a hishtadlis that can be done. Good, right. Right, it's like- That's it's what this is. is. I yes, should put them in this position. Yes, we have to be on, but also we have to act. Of course, like that, that's right? the whole point of the bitachon. That's glura. I'm turning this around. What can I do under these circumstances? Very good right, point. So it's like turning fear into action. That's right, exactly. Yes, Yelena. saying like, be proactive than reactive. So like we can react to something or we can be productive and actually Beautiful. take care of the problem. Beautiful, beautiful. But you see how the fear gets in the way of doing what we need to do. It paralyzes us. It destroys relationships. Yes, Dean. Why does it have to be fear? Like why I have the same, this issue, and I noticed it about my child in the school, and I think, hmm, oh, Hashem, how what, what can I do? This is a problem. And I take care of it, and I, okay, Hashem gave me this thing. I have to do my shtadlis in this way. So why does it have to be fear? Why can't you just have a concern? I, you know, you can't. I would life. say, no, you, you missed the point a little bit. My point is that when you have feelings of anxiety, anger, depression, you want to write down what the fear is. That's what I'm saying. Maybe you don't have fear, so then you won't have those feelings. But whenever you have those feelings, look at yourself and write down what the fear is. And then you can build and build your trust in Hashem, your feeling of His love and His help. And when you do that, you are literally bringing Shemayim to Aretz. And you'll see that He will help you. Yes? Just say, I did it, and here's how I felt when I did it. 
And obviously, the first time you do it, you're not going to really get maybe get to the core, or the second time. But after a while, you will find that you're releasing those fears, and you're not as much in their grasp and their grip as you were before. This is a great discussion to have in your kapura. Why should I bother doing this? Okay, I'm going to be proactive instead of reactive. But I know I'm not, because I struggle with this, and I just feel bad about myself. And everybody's going to react differently to this. And at some point, you'll feel good enough in your kapura to, to really talk about these things. People have their weak spots and their strong spots. You all have different weak spots and strong spots. That's why can I borrow your table? This week's table is just an Torah. What do you have in the house? Can you borrow some vessels from someone? Okay, borrow the vessels. Let's fill them up with oil. We gotta borrow vessels from each other. Dina doesn't go to fear. Let's borrow from her. And, and then those of us who do go to fear can be nurtured by that. And then she'll probably have her little Achilles heel. She always wanted to be in a Tamima play. She never thought of it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so she'll have to go to Okay, so I have one last thing that I'd like to just do. And I don't know how you're going to react to it. I am going to give you out this little discussion of the Sheva Nevios showing us how to do a Chabura. They might be visiting us again. I'm going to give that out. But first I'm going to give out something else. Last time, we talked about the impact of fear. Do you remember that? Yes. Okay. Before we can go on to our six steps, I really, really need you, me, us, to get the impact of impact. What's the impact of fear on our lives? So we're beginning to see a little bit how these little voices, these limiting beliefs, I'm not good enough, I'm not going to be able to handle this, I'm going to blow it, things never work out for me, whatever it is. And everybody has their own little voices. We're beginning to see the impact of all of that, right? Now, each of you has something in your life, a way of thinking, an attitude, an approach, a habit, whatever it is, that you know inside is not the best thing for you, right? So as part of what we're going to be doing, it is very important for you to get the impact on your life of that thing. That's not so simple because first we deny that that thing is a problem. Then we don't think it really has any impact. And we're not used to examining things in this way. So I'm just telling you it's going to be hard. You may not like what I have done here. I'm going to tell you what I've done. I'm going to give it to you. You can tear it up and throw it in the garbage. You can talk about it in a chabura. You can look at it yourself. It's up to you. I'm going to tell you what it is. And then I'm going to let you go and give you your homework. Okay. This is called the impact of impact. The, the two pages. The first page gives an issue that I made up of a young woman, okay? Here is the issue. There's an issue of heart disease in my family history. This is made up. My doctor tells me that it's important for me to exercise daily. I tell myself that since I'm still fairly young, it's okay that I can't find a way to exercise between carpools, my part-time job, making dinner, doing laundry, homework helping, etc. Okay, that's my situation. Um, let's say 35, okay? And um, 
and I find it really hard to do this, and I, you know, just tell myself it's okay if I don't, but I know deep down it's wrong. So the first thing is impact on myself. The second thing is impact on others. Wait a minute. I'm not exercising. What's impact on others? Someone's going to give this to others. Well, she actually put a lot of impact. She put a lot of impact on herself. She put a lot of impact on others. And she's going to have to answer the question, what kind of future will this lead to? This impact on myself, this impact on others, and I'm staying in this place, what's going to be? What's, what's the predictable future? What's going to happen? She needs to write that down. She also needs to write down, what's the impact of this issue on my relationship with Hashem? She's going to write that down too, right? And this is, this is a very hard thing to do. It's hard to make ourselves do this. It's helpful to have a partner, somebody that you can do it with, because we don't see ourselves, and it's so hard to examine ourselves. So I would just like you to, to take this and read it. I, I really should have put another place for her to write the impact on her relationship with Hashem. I would love if you would add that in for your own thing. And I would ask you to start thinking about what is something in your life that you know isn't working right and that you could theoretically do differently, but you're not. And then do this exercise. Read what she wrote and then do this exercise for yourself. Okay? Now, in your Chaburos, your, your homework is, you got the Chabura page with four things. Do numbers three and four. Your first Chabura page, what does it look like? It's in the Chabura motif. Look. First of all, put a four on it. It's page four of all of our pages. These always, this look will be your Chabura motif. That, this is page four in, in your page right now. Okay, thank you so much. And I'm going to give you two things now. I'm going to give you the discussion between our Nevios who model a Chabura for us, which you can use in your Chabura or just read, and just get to know the Sheva Nevios. And I'm going to give you this work that this young woman did. It's two pages. So you're now going to get four pages, and they're all numbered. You can put them into your binder, okay? I would suggest that you read through your notes and stuff because the more you pay attention to it and talk about it with someone else, the deeper it'll go, and we have a job. We want to replace the surfboard with a relationship with Torah and a That's what we're trying to do. We all have our own surfboards that mean more to us than what we're really in the world for. So let's see what we can do here. So please don't leave until you get pages um, five, six, seven, and eight. Yes. Can you um, list an example? I, I think people here in this room wouldn't make such a request. We may know others who would ask for the surfboard to be buried with them, but could you, what you just said? Oh, make an example what are, what are, of something that is your surfboard? Yeah, what are our surfboards? Well, what do you think? What are some surfboards in your life? Social media. Social media. Image. Judgment. Image. Image. What do other people think of me? 
You know the famous thing. Career. I, I told you once, I think I shared, I don't know if I ever shared this with you. Many, many years ago, there was a woman in this community who was very, very sick. Very, very sick. She was very close to dying. And I was with her, and we talked and everything. And one day she said to me, I really want the house to be clean because when people come to my shiva, they're going to look at the house and they're going to think I wasn't a good housekeeper. Because she had kids, and she couldn't clean the house. I'm sorry, I didn't hear you say that again. She was worried that during Shiva, people would come and see that her house was messy. And it was, she was really, really aggravated by this. And I don't blame her, I understand it. You want people to think that your house is, is, is organized and nice. She's been dying for weeks. Her house is not organized. She has a very young child, she has, you know what I'm saying? Her house is not organized. So people are gonna come in and they're gonna look around and they're gonna judge you that it's dirty and it's messy. She was dying. And you know, that's me. And you know the famous one, I remember which, maybe somebody here remembers which Goggle was, was on his death, but this is so famous, and I told this to you before. He's on his deathbed, and he's dying, and his Hamidim, his students are all around him, they're all gathered around him, and, and they're ready to say, you know, Gizoy with him, he's ready to go, and he didn't die. He just didn't die. So afterwards, his comedian said to him, what were your thoughts at that moment? You thought you were leaving the world. He said, well, I was thinking, where am my comedian going to think about how I leave the world? <laughs> <laughs> I better do this right because they're all going to look at it. <laughs> we all have our circles. But we're human. We're human. The reason that one is so tragic is because he could have had some semblance of Dying with Shema Yisrael on his lips. I'm dying, I'll get a Shashem. I'm being butchered. Hashem, Hashem, help me, help find Yisrael. Abba, Abba, you know, please make sure I get buried in a Jewish burial. I don't know, something. So maybe it's not right to say that we all have. I'm using no, it as no, a symbol. No, 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 I'm saying the question that was, okay, what's our surfboard? Surfboards, we're all here, we're working, and we're making our effort. And so maybe we don't have to have surfboards. I'm 100%, but it's a very good metaphor. Yeah. It's a metaphor for what, what the, and we fool ourselves, Dina. If you knew your life was on the line right now, right now, believe me, you'd be more resistant and more connected to Hashem than you are now. I don't mean you, you, I mean all of us. Come on, we're living the, living the easy life here. We're living the easy life. Our lines are not really on the line. We're scared because maybe they will be. But we're not, we're not in that moment of intense, oh my gosh, here's my life, here's Hashem, here's what it's about. We can't I'm gonna live differently in that moment. We can. Of course not, but we can close the gap. That's what we're talking about. More awareness, more closeness, more trust. That's all, we're, we're good people. But I'm sorry, we have to look at this. We have to look at ourselves also. So we use metaphors and things to just get a point across to ourselves. I think that it's important to do. You may not think so, but somebody's gonna move me forward, you know? Last night we felt it with the gunshots. <laughs> Where were their gunshots? They heard it on each street. I didn't really? I mean, 
one person said, oh, I can hear it right next to me. And another person said, well, I thought it was right Okay, all right, ladies, thank you for putting up with me, but don't leave till you get this. Come, 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 here. I really enjoyed it, thank you. Can I give things out?